You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click Donate. Jesus' story, there's a rich field there for exploration and discovery as we, as we learn to hear the gospel, that, that, a gospel that calls not simply just to be a good person, but also to, to stop shaping, maintaining, stop enforcing, and give up benefiting from socially sinful system. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 284 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee might have to offer us today in our work of love, compassion, taking action, and seeking justice. Uh, our feature text this week is Matthew 12, 20, a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice, and we're going to talk about social justice or distributive justice through to victory. Our title this week is Social Sins, Social Justice, and the Jesus Stories. Now, last week, we compared the, the social focus of, of Jesus's kingdom theme with the, we contrasted that with the private, personal, uh, uh, individualized gospel that characterizes much of, of Christianity today. And preparing for, for Palm Sunday last week, I ran across uh, um, th- this statement from Marcus Borg and Dominic Crossan on how on John Dominic Crossan on how Jesus rebuked uh, the social elite of his day. Uh, the issue is not their individual virtue, virtue or wickedness, but the role they played in the domination system. They shaped it, enforced it, and benefited from it. This is a great contrast, once again, between a, a focus on the individual lives of people and the way those people uh, relate in the larger community to systems of injustice. Um, uh, uh, Jesus' life and teachings, again, they do far more than save us from personal sins. They also provide a, an alternative social path that, that addresses social sins, and, and, and it provides a social salvation. Or in the words of, of Walter Rauschenbusch, this is from his the Theology for the Social Gospel, page 7, if our theology is silent on social salvation, we compel people to choose between an unsocial system of theology and an irreligious system of social salvation. So this week I want to consider how each of the Gospels, uh, how it begins, how each Gospel starts. Not, not, they don't start by, they don't begin by emphasizing a, a person's personal salvation from their private uh, uh, or, or sometimes done in public individual sins, but by emphasizing Jesus as a catalyst for addressing social cha- sins and, and, and social change. So, so let's look at each one of the synoptic Gospels. We're going to begin with Mark. In Mark, the Jesus story begins with, with uh, Jesus calling fishermen to a different kind of fishing. This is Mark 1. 16 through 17, Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, and he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Chad Myers's work, I, I mentioned this, uh, I think, last year, uh, but Chad Myers's work reveals that although evangelical Christianity, uh, evangelical Christians, they've largely interpreted 
quoted this saying to be about saving individual souls for, for heaven after they die, a look at the Jewish prophetic tradition suggests that this language it would have had a much different implication and meaning in Jesus's first century Jewish culture. This is uh, Ched Myers's book, Say to This Mountain, uh, Mark's Story of Discipleship, page 10. An apt paraphrase of Jesus' Jesus's invitation is, follow me and I'll show you how to catch the big fish. The, in the Hebrew Bible, the metaphor of people like fish appears in prophetic censures of apostate Israel and of the rich and of the powerful. Uh, Jeremiah 16, 16, I am now sending uh, for many fishermen, says God, and they shall catch the people of Israel. Amos 4, 2, the time is surely coming upon you when you shall take, uh, when they shall take you away with fish hooks. Or Ezekiel 29, 3, thus says God, I'm against you, Pharaoh, king of Egypt. I will put hooks in your jaws and make the fish of your channels stick to your scales. Jesus is, in other words, summoning working folk to join him in overturning the structures of power and privilege in the world. So from the very beginning, if we take this this uh, phrase in its own context, not the Christian context we know it today, but in its uh, Hebrew prophetic context, uh, Mark's Jesus is focusing on on overturning tables, of overturning the the social structures of power and privilege. Mark's gospel is uh, from this very beginning foundation is a social uh, gospel, and let's look at Matthew. To the best of our knowledge, Matthew's gospel was the first gospel to begin with a birth narrative about Jesus. And it's remarkable to me that, that Matthew seems to have been shaping his, his birth narratives about Jesus. Uh, he shapes them based on a on, on popular midrash about uh, uh, the, the birth of, of Moses. And, and Borg and Cross in both in their book, The First Christmas, What the Gospels Really Teach About Jesus' Birth, they make a strong case, a strong argument for, for uh, this correlation. And it, it if this turns out to be true, then Matthew was painting Jesus to be a new Moses, not a replacement Moses, but one who stood in the Jewish prophetic lineage of Moses. And, and in the images of Moses that, that Matthew chooses to emulate in his Jesus story were those that were related to, to themes of liberation from, from uh, the oppressive domination of Egypt. And again, the liberation in Exodus, it's not concerned for individual Israelites' personal salvation without a change in their social situation. The Exodus narrative is concerned. It's a story about the social liberation or social salvation of the entire community as a whole. Um, and the, look at it here in the Exodus narrative. This is Exodus 5, verse 1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, Let my people go. So so that they hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Again, this was about the liberation of a people, not individuals within that community. And characterizing Jesus's work as similar to Moses's, Matthew points to a social understanding of Jesus. If Jesus is to be another Moses, in, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus addresses, again, the social sins of his own time and his own place and offers an alternative path for his 
his Jewish society and, and the social liberation characterizing Jesus' teachings from the very beginning of Matthew's gospel. And you can, you can start there right in Matthew chapter 5. It, it lays the foundation to understand everything that's to follow in, in Matthew's Jesus stories, and, and including the social liberation found in the, the Jewish folk stories of the Exodus, having that to be Matthew's launching point from the very beginning of Matthew's telling, I think it's purposeful for Matthew. And like Mark, Matthew's gospel is first and foremost, again, a social gospel announcing social salvation. And any any private or, or personal view of salvation in Matthew, it only adds to this, this foundation. And let's look lastly at Luke. If Mark and Matthew have social emphasis, Luke does even more so. Luke is probably the one gospel that has the most. At the very beginning of Luke's gospel, we read Mary's Magnificat. This is Luke 1, 51 through 55. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. This is not a prayer. It's not a proclamation of personal change. For, for individuals within a society that's left untouched. These, these words communicate society-wide change from the bottom up and from the outside in. And just three chapters later, when Luke has Jesus begin his teaching ministry in, in a synagogue near Nazareth, Jesus finds these words in the scroll of Isaiah to read, Luke 4, 18 through 19, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, the recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And out of all the passages, think about this, in the Hebrew scriptures that the author of Luke's gospel could have chosen to, to summarize Jesus's ministry, the choice of these words from Isaiah, it helps us understand the entirety of the rest of Luke's gospel. This is the story again of an itinerant Jewish teacher, a prophet of the poor from Galilee, that's calling out social sins and offering a path of, of social salvation and social reparations and social redemption. And you can see this beginning even in Luke 6. In the early 20th century, the social gospel movement here in America, it recaptured the attention of many for these larger social themes in the Gospels. In addition to this, in the 60s and 70s in both North and South America, liberation theologians adopted a more global context, and they focused on those who faced oppression and exploitation across each continent out of the context of these social themes in the Gospels. Here in the U.S., during that same time, we see black liberation theologians focusing on 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 social themes in the Gospels as, as well. They called white Christians to, to, to view uh, 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 these social teachings in the context of, of white supremacy and, and racial justice. And today, some contemporary feminist and, and womanist Christians, they also see deep harmony 
between the social emphasis in the Jesus stories and their work today of survival and, and liberation. And this, this vision encourages them as they strive for, for social change. And, and, and also today, many LGBTQ Christians, they find a wellspring of wisdom in the gospel's emphasis on social salvation from social sins. And, and, and they find wisdom that keeps them going as they, they work toward inclusion and equality, not only in their faith communities, but in their wider secular society as well. So the call to hear the gospel stories as naming social sins, social problems, systemic injustice, that's being heard in our time. And today the gospel stories tell of a a Jesus whose teachings and solidarity with the oppressed in his day led him to to the political demonstration that we now call the triumphal entry that that many in Western Christianity celebrated last weekend on Palm Sunday. He demonstrated the next day, the overturning of the tables. He he cried out for social change and social salvation. And that call we see today is being heard more and more and understood in this light. Jesus' story, I think it offers rich fields. And it goes back to even the purpose of this podcast. There's a rich field there for exploration and discovery as we we learn to hear the gospel, that, that a gospel that calls not simply just to be a good person, but also to to stop shaping, maintaining, stop enforcing, and give up benefiting from socially sinful systems. The gospel stories, they call us to follow this social Jesus. And as we do, we too, in the words of Reverend Kelly Brown Douglas, we can refuse to be consoled until, as she says in Stand Your Ground, Black Bodies and the Justice of God, page 29, we can refuse to be consoled until the justice that is God's is made real in the world. Matthew 12, 20, a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice. And I'm, I read that as a distributive, inclusive social justice through to victory. Matthew 20, or, verse 12, or chapter 12, verse 20. Heart group application this week. This is the last weekend to get your JFE podcast t-shirt. This past month, we've been offering our listeners this special uh, justice and and love and action and 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 uh, compassion T-shirt as a way of of supporting this podcast and and showing others that you're a fan of our podcast and helping spread the word so they can enjoy uh, each episode as well. Again, the availability for these shirts they it, it ends this Monday on April 22nd, so you don't want to miss out on these. You can get one uh, for twenty four ninety nine. You can go to our website uh, 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 at com or you can just go straight to the uh, bonfire site, the Love and Justice Tea. Um, but again, if you go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com, you'll see it right there on our homepage. But uh, you'll receive your, your uh, t-shirt the first part of May. And, and I want to thank you in advance for supporting our work here at Renewed Heart Ministries and the JFE podcast for, for our participation in making our world a, a safe, compassionate, just home uh, for everyone. Thanks for checking in with us this week. I'm so glad you're here today, right where you are. Choose love, choose compassion, take action, and, and seek a path of distributive justice, the same justice that we find in the teachings of Jesus. Another world is possible. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week.